0: We'll Hello, and welcome to the Golden Power Hour podcast, where we are opening doors through open minds in real estate. I'm Kristen Steed. And I'm Carrie Bedore, and we are
1: with Golden Link Real Estate Services. Golden Link specializes in real estate agent development with a vision of helping people live their best life ever. Kristen, we have a special guest with us today, and I'm super excited to bring him on. His name is Mike Higgins. Hi, Mike, how are you?
2: Hey, ladies, how are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. Absolutely. So Mike, we were talking about people that we wanted to come on to the podcast and you were one of the first people that came top of mind for me. And the reason is I love your story, but it's to really demonstrate to people that are looking at getting into real estate. And identifying and realizing that it doesn't have to be all about doing open houses and doing showings on um, nights and weekends, that there are so many different ways that you can utilize real estate to fuel your life. And I think that you have done just an incredible job to get where you're at today. And I really would like to share your journey with everybody. So thank you for coming on to our podcast. You know, Mike, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and how long ago that you got into real estate?
2: Yeah, I would love to. I uh, So it's interesting. I'll take you all the way back to when I was 12 years old. It's a really good place to start. doesn't Everybody starts at 12. Uh, I grew up, my dad's a contractor still to this day in Northern Wisconsin. And my first job as a 12 year old kid was picking shingles up off the ground while my dad would roof houses as a side job because he used to work for a contracting company and then he would do side jobs. And uh, so I started kind of young. And then that became my summer job all through middle school, high school. And even when I'd come back from college, I would, you know, I graduated to become on, on the roof and doing the siding and the windows and stuff. And, and so I've kind of starting young, I've been around houses, like understood the house game. And, you know, I see my dad transform properties. He would do remodels for people. And I think that is probably the genesis of the Mike Higgins real estate career, which then if you fast forward, which, you know, going through high school and then going into college, I'm like, I'm never going to be a contractor because, you know, that is hard work. And I am all about like, how do I, what's the easiest route possible, right? Instead of the hardest route. So, you know, uh, fast forward to 2015, um, 2014, we bought, my wife and I bought our first house. 2015, I got my real estate license and I've been licensed for the last seven years. And I mean, it has been, a complete, it's a journey that we're going to dive into a little bit today. It started out as a realtor and then doing some partner fix and flips. And now we have three companies. We do, you know, retail real estate, we do fix and flips, we do buy and holds. So a little bit of everything. And I love your message on this podcast of really getting the message out and sharing that like real estate doesn't have to fit in a box, right? Like that's the great thing about real estate. I think is that there is no box and that you can take parts and pieces from every part and experience that you have, like we were talking before, every experience makes up like how you view things today. And you guys are sharing that message to be like, okay, well, if you want to be the open house person, great, be the open house person. Like there's a season of your life where you don't have kids and you're single. And you know, you you literally have nothing else to do besides work, utilize that time. But then there's a season where you're like me, you're old, and you have four kids, and life is crazy and hectic. And you don't want to spend your nights and weekends away from the house, right? You want to spend as much time home as possible. So that's kind of, I guess, a snapshot, like back, everything started in the real estate world in 2015. And then Carrie, you and I worked together probably somewhere around 2017, 2018, maybe 2018, 19. And, uh, and then it's just continued to transform from there. And what I do in real estate today is probably going to look a lot different literally by the end of the year than it did at the beginning of the year. And that's, that's the beauty of it.
0: Mike, on that point, I love that story starting from when you were 12 to where you're at today. Does it look different right now than where you started or what you thought it was going to look like in 2015 when you got licensed?
2: Yeah. So when I got licensed in 2015, I actually had a full-time job with a pretty big chocolate company uh, that has the little bars that starts with an H. (laughs) I don't know if they're going to come after you for copyright infringement or name recognition or anything. But so I had a full-time job and it was actually, I share that story with a lot of people. Cause you'll I'll often get, and you guys probably get the same thing. It's like, how do I get into real estate? But I have a full-time job and I don't want to go broke. Right. And honestly, there's some situations where you, it's just, it's very difficult to, I'm lucky that I was in a situation where with that job, I was an outside sales rep. I had a company car. I signed into an iPad every day. And I just went around a territory and checked on stores and sold in candy, stock shelves, did you know, did all sorts of stuff. But I had my cell phone with me all the time. I could check the internet, I could, you know, which transformed into like, okay, well, I'm driving from this store to this store, and then maybe somebody needs to see a house, right? Like I'm just gonna show a house quick and then get back. So, but to circle back to your question, does it look different today than it did in 2015? It looks way different. But there are some some things that are the same. When I got into real estate, I knew that I wanted to... Again, I didn't want to be a contractor, remember? So I'm like, how can I make this house real estate thing work? I knew that investing was probably the place to go. I, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which a lot of people read that book and they're like, you know, it kind of shifts your psychology. And I'm like, well, what's the best way to learn about houses and learn about the market and everything. I was like, well, I'm going to get my license. I really liked our realtor, who's one of my best friends to this day. And he kind of gave me the nudge to get into real estate. And I thought, well, I'll get get my license. I'll start working with people. Then I'll understand the market. And then I'll know when a good deal comes across or when it isn't a good deal, because I'm working in it every day. So that was the initial goal. But then I spent like four or five years just doing real estate things and never got into that original reason why I wanted to get into real estate until literally the year of COVID. And I'm like, all right, got nothing else to do besides sit here at my house. I'm just going to pivot the way I think about business and the way that I do things. So it does look a little bit like how I envisioned it today in 2015, but like most things, the path to get there was not a direct A to B line. It was A to B to C to D to now we're probably on like Q, right? So, um, (laughs) it's kind of similar to how I, to how I envisioned it, but not, not exactly how I thought it would pan out.
1: When you and I were still working together, you made kind of a big change in your life where you decided to sell your house and to move into a duplex Oh and that I was did do that. <laughs> and 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 you had four kids and you no you, we had
2: three kids and my wife was nine months pregnant. That's okay, so you we almost were, had, so even worse.
1: <laughs> that is, uh, you know, you took a step backwards where some people, you know, are wanting to take different routes at that time. And and, I, and when I say backwards, I don't mean you know you you had to make a hard choice in the conventional
2: like sense of everybody looks at life. Yeah, it was Correct. absolutely backwards.
1: Correct. You you broke you broke a status quo where people are saying that you got, you, you know, you have to get a bigger house. You have to do these things, but you know, you in you, you made the decision to do that. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? That pro- Like, why did you do that? And what was that outcome that happened? Because I watched you go through that. And I just, I thought it was fantastic. The gumption it takes to to make, to make that choice and to do that, especially at that, that point.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I have to give a lot of credit to like people that are in my life at that time, right? Like the support, like you were our team leader at that time and fully supported me. You know, Caleb at that time was was a big influence in my life and kind of sparked some of that. But what it looked like, I mean, it looked like having a wife nine months pregnant moving from a 2,300 square foot house into a 1,400 square foot duplex with coming home with four kids and two dogs. It was a it was a nightmare. But if we back up a little bit to our first house that we purchased in 2014, what we did is I bought that property and we we closed December 2nd. So we moved in the winter. And then probably within 30 to 60 days, I completely gutted the kitchen and rebuilt and remodeled the entire kitchen from the ground up. I built the cabinets myself and my wife was doing dishes in the bathroom sink. Uh, We ate a lot of paper plates, but like silverware and stuff literally was doing dishes in the sink. Um, So we kind of, we flipped and then two years later, we ended up selling that property. So uh, we kind of like live and flipped it. And I just did a video, I put a YouTube video out about kind of like a um, house hacking. And that was one of our first kind of house hacks. So we did that and then we took that money, mind you, so this was where I, we had an FHA loan. So it was, we bought it for $123,000 with $3,000 back. So net 120, three and a half percent down, we were somewhere around like 65, $7,000 into it, down payment and all that, right? So we took that house. We then sold it for 159. It only appraised for 156. So we ended up selling it for 156. And then we bought a sheriff sale house, which is a house that went foreclosed, and then we bought it at the courthouse steps. So we bought that house for 167. So basically, we took all the equity out of that first house and moved it into the next house. And then two years later, we ended up selling that house for 225. So then, and then that was the point in which you're talking about is moving to this duplex. So I found a duplex that was in a local area here and it had, in, a, in a really good school district. I knew that it was just, it needed a lot of work though. It had foundation issues and it needed a lot of love. But I, a lot of people, that's why I sat on the market. I looked at that as an opportunity, right? So we ended up selling that house for 225. We bought the duplex for uh, two seven five. And then we ended up putting a bunch of money into the foundation and everything like that. But for me, it was like, what, where it conventionally was a step back for most people is I had a mortgage of $1,600 a month and the other side was paying $1,000 of that. So, and then I was leveraging that. Like, so I, and I had multiple exit strategies, which means multiple ways to be done with that property when I want it to be, right? I could either keep it as a long-term rental or I knew it would be valuable enough I could sell it for more than I had into it, which is what we ultimately did to move into our house that we're at now. So in my mind, the way I look at it, I have a house now that let's just say is worth $350,000, but really I'm into that for the $7,000 that I paid for the $120,000 house eight years ago. Does that make sense? Like
1: Absolutely. So
2: it's just... I hate paying retail for anything and (laughs) which is great, but then it also drives my wife nuts. But luckily enough, (laughs) she knows me well enough and trusts me to just make all these moves with me. So uh, I'm very, very lucky there.
1: I was just going to bring that up because that is, those are really deep conversations to have with your spouse because it's your livelihood. It is literally where you keep your family and they have to be on board with that. So you've got to have some strong dynamics at home to make that happen. And that is kudos to her. Now, April used to be a registered nurse, right?
2: Yeah. She's, she's still licensed. She still keeps her license up, but yeah, she used to work at a hospital locally here. Yep.
1: And now she stays home with the kids, right?
2: Yeah. And I think I just posted on Facebook. It was like a four or five years ago was like the, maybe four years ago, like Facebook does that memory thing. Then it was like <laughs> her taking a picture of her, of her lanyard of like a last day at the, at the hospital. So she worked as a CNA at the hospital and then she had like been full-time, went down to part-time. And then I think four year four or five years ago was. Ended up going full-time stay-at-home mom, which actually means like she's working twice as much as she
1: was before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and you, she's not doing we, dishes in the sink any or in the kitchen sink any or back right. Well, that's kitchen. why
2: you have four kids. So then the kids start to do the dishes. Like that's tax write-offs and chores around the house are probably two of the main reasons for kids. <laughs> two
1: reasons why to have more kids, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> um And you know, it's what's what's interesting is everything that we've talked about so far is real estate related, right? You've, you've made decisions, you know, you were working as a candy salesman and moved um, into real estate. So, you know, that's a hard transition for a lot of people is, you know, they want to get into real estate. They don't want to go broke. You brought that up. And, you know, at what point Mike, were you at where you were like, you know what, I feel comfortable leaving the comforts of my guaranteed paycheck. And I know that I can make enough to support my family in, in real estate. Like what, what was a tipping point with, a, you know, what happened? Where, where was that, that catalyst for that change?
2: Yeah, no. And I, I mean, we can get really specific on that too. Cause I, like I, that is the biggest fear of somebody that takes a corporate America job and then wants to go into real estate. Like they, you know, I always say, people get into real estate and then you're on one of two paths, right? You're like, I want to quit my job as a nine to five. And then, you know, I'm going to work for myself and I have my own hours and all this. And it's like, it's great. And then you, you're on this path. You're either one, you're awful at it and you go broke and then you have to go back to work. Like that's the path or you become really good at it. And then you're actually working more hours than you were at your corporate America job. Now you're making a lot more money too, but, your lifestyle is probably not a lot better. So what that looked like for me in my first 12, my first full year. So 2016 was like my first full year of real estate. I sold 31 houses with a full-time job. And then I was like, okay, I sold that many houses. I made way more money than I did as like a candy rep. And then next year rolled around. And I was like, I knew that I had to, I was doing both probably half you know, what it, right? Like, so I wasn't excelling at either one, but the ceiling in real estate I could clearly see was much higher. There was, you know, the the ceiling in corporate America could have been high, but it would have taken a lot longer, let's say. Right. So some of the biggest decisions with going full-time in real estate which I think was 2017 halfway through was insurance. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like the biggest piece Of trying to figure that out was like, what do we do for insurance? Because insurance is expensive when it's not through a corporate entity. It just really is. I mean, it was like some 13 to $1,800 per month for our family. So we ended up finding a a different alternative to insurance, which works really, really well for $545 a month. But at that point when I was like, okay, 30 houses is legit. Like that was pretty decent. And then next year I ended up selling 44 houses and after I, st- I had some loyalty to like my team from the chocolate candy sales. So I stayed on with them and ac- actually until Halloween, cause in candy world, like Halloween is the biggest event, you know, it's the super bowl of candy. So <laughs> I stayed on with them through there just cause I didn't want to leave anybody hanging and burn any bridges. Cause you never, you never know, right. You're taking a, you're taking a risk of taking a leap of faith to go out on your own you burn a bridge, like what happens if it doesn't work? You want to be able to have somewhere to go. So when I hit that threshold from year one to year two, I just knew that it was probably something that I needed to do, but it was, it was still very scary because there's a lot of expenses involved and there's no guarantee.
1: Absolutely. And you know, a lot of that fear, that's where people tap out, right? Like, what do you think was kind of your secret sauce to success to sell that many houses the, the first year like what if, if you if you go back like was there one or two things that really stood out like where did you get your business from
2: yeah that's a really good question so I remember the end of the first year realtorcom called me and said hey we have a Christmas special we'll give you they had everything split up into zip codes which I think is probably how they still do it now I don't know yeah. um, in my opinion I would never do online leads again right now it just but back you know, 2016, it wasn't as crazy. So I would actually just, I think I was paying like $104 a month was all, which is dirt cheap. I mean, people, you can't even, you can't even touch a half a lead for that in today's world (laughs) of Zillow. But I really do believe I closed five deals in that first year off of realtor.com stuff, because I would have a lead come in and I would call it right away. I still help realtors. And people ask me questions all the time about how to build business. And I don't think that's a sustainable model long term is the pay to play online real estate stuff. But for me early on, it kind of helped me hack my way to a database, right? So I instantly had people in my database that then I could start having conversations with and start getting in doing the activity of showing the houses and being in the neighborhoods. And then, you know, I'm, I'm on social media a little bit. So then people started noticing that. And then I, you know, one of the big things that really fires me up is building relationships with people. So I really, I mean, obviously you can tell I like talking and <laughs> I enjoy doing coffee meetings and stuff with people. Right. So then people just started to catch on. And now where I'm at today, like last year, I think I only sold 10 houses as a realtor. They were all friends, past clients or referrals, like, and they're people who I wanted to work with. And that's fine. Cause that's the way my business is today is totally different. Early on, you know, the online leads was actually a pretty big pretty big catalyst. I started to figure out Facebook as well and, and do leads from Facebook. And I was just hungrier. I was just hungry. Like that phone would ring from realtor.com and I would catch it before the first ring was over. Now, if I saw Zillow group or realtor.com ringing my phone, I would hit the red button so fast. I would have zero interest in it. Right. If if you'd
1: be paying more than a hundred dollars a month for those, for those leads too.
2: Yeah. Add another (laughs) zero or two.
1: Right. It is shocking to me When I have conversations with real estate agents that do paid lead generating, and they do not work their database. They play yeah. hot potato with those leads that come in and if they're not ready to go see a house or let me come in, they just let it sit there. There's one agent in particular that was spending about $5,000 a month on Zillow and did not have any of that any of those leads in their CRM or in their database. And you when you think about when you when you have those online leads that come in and if you're setting things up Properly, that can pay you back year after year after year because they may not be ready today, but they might be ready 18 months from now. And if you're talking to your database on a consistent basis, you're also becoming top of mind for them. So when they are thinking about real estate and someone says, Hey, I'm thinking of selling my house if you're doing your job right there, your name's going to come to the top of mind and, you know, you can get referrals from that. And, you know, there's, there's a great way around that. Mike, did you use your sphere at all? Did you tap into your friends and family from the area or what did that look like for you?
2: Yeah, definitely. And kind of going into like your database thing. I know like when we worked together, you specifically spent a boatload of time integrating a new whole process to the team that we were on at that time of trying of how to use the database and I mean I was probably more like the people that you described in the beginning I'm more of like I explained like if you're a Packers fan you'll understand the reference but there's a way like Aaron Rodgers approaches his games he's very calculated very methodical he doesn't throw interceptions he throws the ball away but then if you revert back 20 years ago Brett Favre he was just a gunslinger. Like he would be running around and he would like, I was Brett Favre in the beginning of my real estate career. I'm just like flying from the hip. Don't even know what's going on. But yeah, like going back to that relationship piece, definitely have to rely on your sphere. And there's a way to be able to do it as well. I think that people get scared to just let people know what they're doing. And if you come from a place of like true adding value or trying to help somebody, or, you know, I heard somebody tell me one time is like, You don't earn your commission like when you make the sale of the house. You earn the commission when you help that person when they're not even trying to sell their house. Make maybe it might come in the form of providing a a solution, like a plumber or something, or giving them, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I did this a lot. One of the ways to to talk to them back in the day was like, Hey, interest rates are a lot lower than they were before. You should maybe think about refinancing right now your payment's going to be a lot lower. Like those are the things that if you you talk about talking to your sphere, adding value through the lifetime of the client or customer makes up more than your commission at the time of the sale. hundred percent.
1: So- Kristen, we just talked about that when you bought your house and how you had to go back to your agent um, and ask for things.
0: Oh, it, without a doubt. And I think people, when they go through this process are at such a heightened emotional state at different ranges, right? There are the, the analytical, like, you know, minded, like, I just want the numbers. I want the bottom line. I want to get going. There are the touchy feely sentimental, like I have attachments to this house or the, even the fear-based or the nervous people of like, is the house okay? Is everything fine? And I did have that personal experience where there were, a number of things that happened when we bought our last house, where we needed to find someone to fix something in the floor. And we were in a flood zone. So we needed to have some work done in the crawl space. And, you know, at that time it was like, who do I call? Like, where do I go for some of this stuff? And the realtors we worked with were the most amazing people. They were from the town we live in. They had a solution or a person for everyone. And I am like forever in debt for their recommendations and the peace of mind that they gave as we navigated through that. And now fast forward years of like working in delivering really amazing experiences, all of the studies show that the highest likelihood that people are going to do business with you again is all about friction reduction. Like, right, adding value and reducing friction. Was it easier than I thought it was going to be to do business with you? And Mike, that's what I think is so brilliant in how you naturally talk about what you do is that you're so person-centric about building those relationships and like being able to connect them. Like, hey, interest rates this, Or this might be a good option for you of like, you treat them like you would want to be treated in doing your own business, which I think is such a fantastic model to be able to operate under. And so when you talked about that success story of, you know, going from your first year, still working at a pretty sweet job, pun intended, Uh (laughs) but then selling those houses and, you know, going from the next year and selling even more. I just think it's such a cool experience to be able to, there's a hustle and there's a grit and there's like a fire in you that just like you get after it, which I think is so admirable where again, going back to that, why do we do this podcast? So people can hear this journey, hear these stories and these different approaches to it. There's so much that's, lying under the surface of making mm. this be successful. And so I think about your early years of multitasking and kind of planning out your routes and seeing where you might have opportunities to do different things and maintaining your database and understanding the value of your sphere and doing all those things. It's like the yellow brick road of success, right? Of build these building blocks. So I do have a question though. You talked about you know, rich dad, poor dad, right. That was the book when you got started and yep. this vision that you had when you got into real estate. And then, you know, you said you were hust- like, right. You were doing it for a couple of years and then COVID hit and that's where you pivoted. Is that, is, am I following along correctly with the, with your story?
2: Yeah. I mean, at a, at a high level. Yeah. I feel like I actually probably experienced some burnout prior to COVID, but yeah, you're, you're tracking exactly.
0: Talk about that a little bit. Cause like what, where I'm going, what I'm fascinated by is like, you know, how that happens. I think a lot of us, when we start new adventures, like we have this vision of what we think it's going to be like, or what we want it to be like, but then we get into the trenches and there's so many other things coming at us. So many things that are happening and we're chugging along. And next thing you know, it could be one year, two years, three years later, and you're grinding and you're working, but it's maybe not close to the vision of what you wanted it to be when you first got started. And the thing that you said that I absolutely loved is that what you're doing today probably looks more like what you thought it was gonna look like when you got started in 2015. So like that moment of transformation and deciding to pivot off of the path that you were on, which was really successful into expanding your world which I think is really fascinating, but talk about the burnout. Like, so what did that look like in that time frame? where you're, you're selling lots of houses, you get rid of the full-time job, you're doing real estate, you know, completely. And then you hit this spot where you're working more, right? You you're the one who's experienced that success in, you know, left corporate job and ended up working up, working a lot more than what you expected.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll touch on that and then remind me to come back to the COVID conversation about that kind of like the moment when it all kind of turned into what it is today. And so, you know, I I shared a little bit about this, the story um, going to that 44 houses, single agent, and then the firm that I was at, I stepped into this role as a team leader and I started to run a team and we sold over, I think it was 300 houses plus back-to-back years. Um, And So I was, but during that time, I was actually still producing. Like I was still the agent on the team. Like I was still like the top, well, next to Maria, right? So (laughs) I was still producing at a high level and then also running a team. Part of the journey is leadership development and personal growth, right? And my, I like the idea. I, I try to get better. I like to teach and train. The things that I'm learning, because one, I think it helps other people, like what you guys are doing, right? You you guys are growing, and then you're taking that information and sharing it with other people through this podcast and other mediums. But that also helps you get better the more that you get to share it. Cause the person I that learns that. the most is the one that teaches it. Right. So I was into this role as a team leader. And I was, let's say, like, let's say if we split our hours in half and then split our money in half, and you have a high and a low. So I was spending a lot of hours as a team leader but my pay was on the really low end and I was spending a little bit more of time as a realtor, but then that's where my pay was a lot higher. So like they didn't match up and I did that for two years. And I think I just like, really, I mean, you know, you, you know, being in this industry, it's, it's high stress. So there's not only the high stress of like what you were talking about with the people that are, you know, super emotional during the transactions, but then when you're running a team of realtors who have the biggest egos in the world, like that's super stressful too, right? Cause they never make enough money per transaction. They're never getting enough leads. Their computer program is never working the way that it should, right? Like it's nothing's ever good enough. So there's like double stress and that's, it you wasn't only...
1: that bad. Mike, what's that? It wasn't that bad.
2: I mean, <laughs> what, well, no, and this is interesting though, too, because I think I truly believe in this. I think people have a different threshold for what they can, what they can deal with. Right. And you probably being a mom with kids have a higher threshold than me being a dad. My threshold just wasn't very high. So, you know, going through that, I, I really like stress started to get stress started to get to me and really burnt out. And then I was like, I, I'm not doing this team leader thing anymore. And luckily enough, like they found a better team leader in, in Carrie to come in and that's where her and I started working together. Um, and it was really cool. Cause I, I could really, I think our our relationship and working was a little bit of a different dynamic because I could kind of see, and I knew the inner workings of what she was going through and had, and she maybe at times would lean on me and be like, Hey, has this worked before? Has that not worked before? Right. So then I, at that point I got to step back and just be a realtor again. And that's maybe the, where my my focus started to get peaked a little bit, which then we transitioned into COVID at that time. At that time I had, been at a different brokerage now from Carrie. We we had um I had left that brokerage. But what I realized at the beginning of COVID, and stop me because I'm going on and on and on, but I I, at the beginning of the day as a realtor or as an investor, because at this time I had done some fix and flips, which is, you know, on a big level for people listening, is kind of where I've pivoted my business to now with a little bit of realtor work now on the side. Um but I realized at the beginning of the day when Mike Higgins wakes up there's no business coming in unless he's going out to get it, right? For every realtor, any, any person listening, you're not just gonna wake up and your phone is gonna start ringing. Like it just doesn't happen, right? You have to, you know, the analogy, you have to go out and kill something and bring it back to get paid. So in my mind, like, I'm like, what can I do to get to maximize the most amount of, in this case, income and time? Those are the two resources that we really have, right? We have money and we have time how can I get the most amount of money in the least amount of time? So as a, as a realtor, I'm going to go out and prospect for people to list their house, you know, listing, listing houses is the name of the game in this in this market, in any market, in my opinion. Um, so I'm going to go out and let's just use the example of a $200,000 house, right? I'm going to go find a seller who will, who will list their house for $200,000 with me. And they're going to pay a 6% commission. Three of that'll go to Mike three of that will go to the buyer's agent. Well, that's $6,000, right? If you're keeping up with math, 3% of 200,000 is six grand. And then your brokerage is going to take 70 or 80% of that. So then at the end of the day, you're down to like 4,500 or five grand. And then you got taxes that come out of that. So let's say at the end of the day, you're you're at $4,000 for that $200,000 house. Well, that same, maybe not that exact seller, but there's people out there with a $200,000 house that needs renovation and needs work. And I can actually buy that $200,000 house for about $125,000 because it needs $50,000 of work. So I can buy it for one twenty-five. dollars I can put 50 into it and then sell it for two hundred. dollars me as the seller. And in that same me going out and killing something, I made $4,000 over here as a realtor. Oh, by the way, when I sell that, I can still take a, a fee as a realtor too, right? So, or I can go buy that house directly from that seller, renovate it. And then sell it for two hundred thousand dollars, and then I made twenty five thousand dollars, right? Which less time into it, I I'm the I'm the client, I'm my own client. I don't have to worry about the emotional roller coaster. And Kristen, what you were talking about is up and down. It's like, oh my god, the outlet covers cracked. That means the whole house is gonna fall apart. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not actually how this works. But I, you know, so which is a huge reason why I just like stopped working with a lot of clients because the emotional roller coaster, right? carry. Like I said, my threshold just isn't high. So that at COVID was where I really had that realization was like, okay, there's people that do this differently and I can do it even differently than they do it and bring these two worlds together. Right. So now what that looks like today is we, we go direct to seller and say, Hey, we want to buy your house. Now there's less sellers that want to sell their house that way. Right. There's less people that have distressed situations, but it only takes one to make up the difference of what it would be like working with 10 buyers in a market like this. So that whole, let's keep our money high, our income high or the same, and let's drop our time so that we can utilize that time for either trying to go find more deals or, you know, spending more time with family.
1: And Mike, you're still having the same conversations because if they decide that they don't want to buy it with you, you can then still list the property or refer it. And is that, is that the way that you run your business right now? Cause, cause you have a partner. hundred
2: percent. Right? Yeah. Jared, my partner, Jared, that's a hundred percent. It's like literally like I always, it's like, you got your, I'm going to buy your house hat on and then you like turn it around. Right. And you're all of a sudden you're like, I'm a realtor now, you know, <laughs> it's, it's saying, Hey, Mr. Mrs. Mr. Seller, like, you know, I can't pay you 200 for it, but if you want to get that, I'll pass it on. We have a buy, we have an agent now that works with us transaction coordinator that agent handles all the listings. So my looking at this was I can go to that seller instead of just go seller for a listing agreement. I I have multiple options. Now I can go after it and try to buy it with cash. I could try to wholesale it, or I could try to list it on the market, or I could fix and flip it. Like there's just so many more options that are available to uh, going direct to seller. And I think what happens is agents kind of tend to get tunnel visioned, which you guys are trying to take those blinders off of people, right? And realize, oh my gosh, there's way more to this industry than just one way to do things. It's literally the same work. Like it's literally going out and trying to find people. You're just shifting your perspective like three degrees. That's all it is because agents, and you can tell I start to get elevated here. I'm starting to get a little bit like, this is one of the things, a message that I enjoy to bring out is because agents will represent fix and flippers or investors all the time for a 3% commission but they saw the deal before that investor did, right? They they see that deal and then they bring it to somebody else. And it's like, no, like you, you should buy that deal. You could make a lot more money on it. And you know, more people that could help you get the money involved for paying for that property. Like you're so much closer than you think you are.
0: What stops them? Like, what do you think stops agents from making that move?
2: Like, again, I think the blinders are on. I think there's only one way to do things. I think there's some fear. Fear-based, right? Because all of a sudden it's like it's it's the same transition of being uh, corporate America, W two job, getting your paycheck every two weeks, and then going out to work on your own. Well, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have to buy this property. You know, that's a lot of money, and people don't realize that there there's people that have money all around, and you can have three conversations, just like Carrie referred to the sphere and your center of your circle of influence and everything. You're having conversations about listing houses. People, you can have those same conversations about, "Hey, I found a house that I think I want to buy. Would you be interested in a partnership on this?" You know, so I think a lot of it's fear-based and the fear of the unknown. Because, you know, as a realtor, we're taught that there's like literally a way to do this, and which is right. It's not wrong, but different perspectives don't tend to come in to brokerages because, to be honest with you, which is a reason why I, I left not the brokers that Carrie and I were at because they were very investment friendly and focused. But if Mike Higgins lists the house and sells it, well, the brokerage is going to make money, right? But if Mike Higgins buys the house outright and fix and flips it or keep, or let's say keeps it as a rental, right? Well, the brokers didn't make any money on that deal. So why would they want to continue to have somebody to do transactions like that if they're not going to make money? So which I, and I don't think that's wrong as a business decision. You can't, You can't go through and just have people at your office and not make any money. So, I don't think the education uh, is there. So that's why when I get the opportunity to talk to people like you, who are kind of peeling back the curtain and really saying like, "Let's do real estate different. Let's do real estate. It can sit in a box. It can be your own box, right? Not a universal box. It's your own thing." I really get. I enjoy those conversations because I think that there's so many different perspectives and people have interesting and unique stories that you guys are bringing to light that will help unlock somebody's idea to say, oh, I can do this my way.
1: You know, exactly. I think what, you know, wearing blinders, you know, coming in, coming into the business, I definitely had that on when I first got into real estate, I was corporate America for years and years and years and transitioned to a high producing residential retail sale team and didn't even realize that there was other opportunities in the market And when that comes to fruition and you start seeing the 400 different ways that you can make money um, doing real estate, it does start by getting your license. And then you do have to learn the contracts a little bit, but if you align yourself with the right people in the right groups, you really, and, and and here's what I love about it is there's so many people that are willing to share. There's so there's, there are so many Mike Higgins out there that are like, Oh, you want to know what I'm doing? Like, I'll share it with you. And I might even partner with you on it. Right. And because there's so many opportunities that are out there, but it is a eye-opening experience to understand that you can go spend 300 bucks, get a real estate license and start talking to people that you already know, sell a couple houses and really start the foundation of, of a career in real estate that is lucrative. But it also buys you some freedom to be able to choose the way that you want to run your business. And that to me is one of the fundamental things that's different about working for corporate America and being in business for yourself. Cause you can stop and you can say, you know, how do I want to run my business? Like, what's the point of making a bunch of money if you have no time to spend it? Mm -hmm. Um, What's the point of working all the time to make the money when your family is growing up underneath your nose and you didn't have time to, you know, to be the dad that you want, or the mom that you want, or the husband, the father, you know, be the good son, you know, all of those things. And that is at the core of what you can do in real estate is it can buy you the freedom to go out and do those things. And, you know, you just have to be open-minded and, and really see where the opportunities are out there.
2: And you got to be intentional too, because it can get, it can be very easy to get sucked into the matrix as well. Like you can, you can <laughs> definitely get, you can get sucked into the the numbers game of who's selling more units, who's doing more volume, more, 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 more right. Which is, which is great. But um, if you have a specific vision in mind in the beginning, just like I did, you can, it's very easy to get pulled off track with that vision and, uh, you just have to be very intentional about it. And, um, there's no writer, like you said, you know, there's no right or wrong way to build this, build it like how, how you envision it and how you want to, but make sure you stick to that plan and be okay. Be flexible enough to know that the plan can change, you know, cause you know, somebody's going to listen to this podcast and maybe get an idea. And I hope it inspires somebody to go out and do something a little bit different. But then when you have episode 324, somebody else is going to share on that. And then somebody else is going to get inspired to do it a completely different way. Or they might take a little bit of this episode and a little bit of that episode and bring the two worlds together and create something completely different
1: and innovative, right. And changing, disrupting patterns and changing the way, you know, that, that you do things. And there is, no shame in that there's fear in it right because everyone lives with a little bit of fear in their lives so that that's our that's we're we're wired as humans you know to have fear but it's learning how to dance with that fear so you're not you know living in a fearful state of mind all the time that is you know that regret piece that I'm sure so many people have, you know, they're sitting in, you know, they're sitting in their nine to five job. They're 15 years into it. They don't see a way to not work without having some type of income that's coming in. And they, I'm hoping that they can identify and see that, oh gosh, you know, coming into real estate might be a way for me to, to do this. And it doesn't have to be Just driving buyers around, making three grand on a sale. There's, you know, I I should say, do I want to buy this property? If not, then I then I'm gonna sell it. You know, can you walk into a house and say I should I should just buy this place? Because one of the things
2: that I like learned is you're sitting at that table with a seller, and the conversation looks like this. It's like, okay, Mr. Mrs. Seller, if if I have a blank check right now and slid it across the table to you, what number would have to be on that for you to close on this deal today? Like right now, right? And if they say, one hundred fifty thousand. Well, if you as like an agent know that's worth two twenty five, be like, okay, I I would consider that for myself. You know, like that's all it looks like. You're 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 a hero to that person because you're gonna make that sale quick, easy, painless. You know, and they're gonna get to make the decisions of when they want to move. But it's literally like you were asking, what keeps people from doing this earlier? that's a small shift in your mindset of how, Hey, if I were to buy this today, or if I had somebody that could buy this today, what would the number on that check have to be? It's, it's, it's that simple. You know,
0: you know, one thing that I can't help, but like kick, there's this thought that's kind of jumbling around in my head is that I'm thinking of that person, you know, what, like what that number is and think about, your approach to real estate could be exactly what it is that they need. I think about how many people, and Mike, you said this before, and I thought it was hilarious. Like the outlet cover is cracked, you know, so the whole house is wrong. And like, people don't know what they don't know. Like even homeowners, home buyers, like there's a lot of fear that resides in their heads as well. And how many homeowners are out there that need to make a move. They want to make a move, but they have this preconception notion that they have to fix all these things that are wrong. Like nobody's going to want to buy this place. The carpet's outdated and there's wallpaper and the roof, this, and the foundation is that. And so your approach to real estate and that willingness to see beyond the structure, to be able to visualize futuristically what it could be and what it could go for in this market. It's a different way of serving others, you know, in a way that they didn't even know that they need, or they didn't know it was possible because they're not aware either of how many ways you can challenge the status quo in real estate to build that life. So I think that part of it is really cool too, from kind of like that servant leadership, mission, vision, purpose, you know, type of way that it is a really neat way to be able to help people who didn't even know that this was a possibility.
2: Yeah. And it's not always easy. Like in order for that to happen, you genuinely, you genuinely have to have their best interest at heart, genuinely. And you know, we'll go into a lot of a lot of situations, and literally the script, right? We're all about scripts. The script for this is, you know, Mr. Missus Seller. My job here today, I would love to buy your house, but if nothing else, I might not be the I might not be the right buyer for you today. But I want to have a conversation with you and just help at least leave this situation better than I found it. And that might look like you listing it on the market, but that might look like me buying it as well. My whole goal is to figure out what's best for you and what option is best for you. And if you approach it like that, like genuinely taking their interests at heart, you know, because you never know what their situation is. And then also just being really good at asking questions and being genuinely curious, because whatever the story is on the surface, like it's always three or four levels deeper, the true situation. And if you can tune into that true situation, then you can find out how you can really help Right, and luckily for us in real estate, having our license, we have a lot of tools in the tool belt that we can use. You know, I that I think that a lot of people don't know. Some 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 sellers just don't even know this. Like they look at real estate and say, "Okay, I got to have somebody. I'm either going to put a for sale by owner sign in the front yard, or I got to have an agent come and put their sign in the front yard." They don't realize there's 322 other tools that you can use from your tool belt. And I think like that's part of what I like to explain in my messages, and you know, your platform like this is to realize, okay. Our job is to show as many tools in the tool belt so now agents can listen to this podcast and say, oh, all right, I'm going to take that one and I'm going to put that in the tool belt and I'm going to use that next time I go into a listing appointment.
1: You know, absolutely. I love, I always speak about the analogy of a toolbox and say there's this giant toolbox that we have in real estate but sometimes we don't know what tool we need for the different things that we're doing. So, you know, the, to say that, you know, Hey, I need to pull this tool out and I'm going to use it here. That is a beautiful way of articulating how, as a real estate agent, you can know and understand that you might not want to do this. Um, We recently had a conversation and they said, you know, this particular agent was like, you know what? I love selling houses. I don't like working with investors. Mm. Like that's not my forte. I don't like talking about the numbers. She's all about coddling and helping people through this emotional part of her life, of their life. Like that. And, and so you can get super intentional with the way that you want to run your business. And, you know, you, cause you have the control, it's your business. You get to choose what you want to do with it, how you want to run it. And there are so many different ways, but I can't help to bring up the point that you made before Mike about how are you, if you wake up in the morning and if Mike Higgins doesn't work, Mike Higgins doesn't get paid. And you have to, at some point in your career, shift your mindset to say, how can, how can I build something today that will pay me tomorrow? You know, what am I working on today that, you know, that, you know, will be paying me dividends into the future. And that's, and, and unfortunately that is not the go out and show houses today. Now it might be working your database, right? Because you can always, a well run database at the end of your career, you could sell that to another agent, or you could earn referral fees off of that, but it, it's also about structuring, you know, doing different business structures, which is why you have a couple different businesses, right, Mike, because you're, you're setting yourself up to do that, correct?
2: Yeah. I think that there's really two ways that you can, you know, you hear the word passive income come around, right? Like, so even, even everything that we've talked about to this point, still, if Mike Higgins doesn't go out and kill it, it doesn't come back. Right. So what are some things that you can do to set up your business? Like let's talk tactical, right? There's really two options. You can buy real estate and hold it, which are, you know, some of the things that we do, um, like basic AKA rental properties and, or build your real estate business with systems and processes and leverage within it which i know that you guys teach that on so that this thing can run when you're not there right like make it it you came from corporate america make this its own little mini corporate thing right so i really think either business ownership or real estate ownership are the two paths that are going to help get you to kind of that you know financial freedom or wake up and and choose to work and it's always a it's always a path right like i mean i we have rentals and we have two, a couple of different companies like Jared and I are very active in this company because we're still newer and we're still figuring out these processes. We only have three employees. Like we're still very active in it, but the idea would be that we can wake up and things are starting to happen. One day we can wake up, things are happening for us and, and, uh, things are moving forward without us having to move them forward. And then you move from this position of working in to working on, which, um, is a great place to be. Right. So, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's, and, and the two worlds can work together as well. Like the business can feed the rentals and the rent, you know, it's all, it's all intertwined and talk about vertical integration. You know, you were you messing, uh, when you were talking before Kristen about the, like the agent that helped you with finding whatever it was that you were looking for with, with the repairs that you needed. One of the things that, you know, I just recently got my general contractor's license. If you remember back to the beginning of my story, I always said I wouldn't ever be a general contractor because I hated (laughs) all the hard work. But where I see an opportunity for that is, again, back to Carrie, what you were talking about, if you do a good job following up with your sphere and saying, hey, is there anything you need? You know, hey, I I always like to say, I'm the I got a guy guy, right? Like, it's like, oh, I need this. I got a guy. I need that. I got a guy, Right. Well, let's use an example. Like I had a, I had a client reach out for a roof and you, you guys, you know, being in real estate, clients will reach out to you for things. And you're like, oh, well, I always refer to like all these contractors that I have. Well, at one point I'm like, why? Like I'm the one that built this network. And I think that, you know, I have, like I'm, I'm making the referral, right? In real estate, we get a referral fee. So I've started to create that own kind of like referral fee system within my work, my network of contractors. So I have a roofer. If I refer him business and he gets a roofing job out of it, I'll get a cut of that. But now getting the general contractor's license. Oh, by the way, Mike Higgins can be the one that does your painting for you. Right. So now I'm not the one actually painting. Right. Nobody wants me to paint their house, but I have (laughs) I have painters that can go out and do it. So it's like, okay, this. It's the same way that you get any work done, right? There's got to be prop. You're not taking advantage of anybody, right? You're the job costs thirty five hundred dollars. Well, you the the painter will do it for three thousand dollars, and now all of a sudden you can make a five hundred dollar delta in the middle for work that you are already gonna do, you were already gonna help them anyway. So why shouldn't you capitalize on that? Because of because of the, the hard work that you put into building your um, your network and your kind of like mini little empire, right? So Always looking for ways to try to bring income that's vertically integrated, meaning it's all within the same line. What we're talking about here, at real estate. So that's just another avenue, and it's kind of a little bit off topic, but it made me think. It's not the passive income like you talked about, but in some way, it kind of is because that work, that paint, got done without me having to do the painting, and I just collected a little fee in the middle. It's just like a, it's like a listing fee, right? So. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah, you just have to be willing to look for the opportunities and be a little different.
1: I mean, even Mike, um, I think one of the most highly under utilized um, income producers in real estate is getting referral fees, like understanding that you can build a network literally anywhere. And, you know, if you have someone in Arizona that is looking for a real estate agent, then you can go and network with agents down there and you can negotiate a referral fee. I am- You've done a really good job of that. What's you've, that? Built,
2: you've done a good job of that over the years of building that referrals. I
1: mean, I've built 20 plus thousand dollars a year, just in, in referral fees coming in by just being that, that person, right. It's like being the hookup, knowing, knowing the guy or knowing the girl or knowing the situations coming inside real estate outs, you know, into the market, going out of the market, you know, trying to join those relationships together. Cause you're really playing matchmaker. It's no different than what you're doing as the general contractor you know they need a painter you find a painter and you get your your cut for it it's really what zillow and realtor.com are doing they're literally exactly
2: what they're doing they're taking (laughs) we're work as a realtor you're out there getting the listing they're taking your listing getting leads and selling it back to you
1: selling back (laughs) yeah they, totally. They're taking your inventory and, and, and selling it back as a ransom,
0: right? Right. I have to say this because I am kind of freaking out right now, like representing the homeowner side. Mike, when you were talking about the contractor piece of it. So I have ideation as a number one strength. I'm really big into Gallup Finders. So one of the ways my ideation strength comes up for me is around my house. Like I want to redo my stair railing and I want to put in an island and I want to finish the overhang on the deck. And there's all these little like projects and my husband is not handy. Like he cannot do any of those things. He can draft a hell of a fantasy sports team, but he's not <laughs> going to be able to do some of those contractor ta- type of jobs. And so I think about that when we are in this uncharted territory, we want these this work done. We have no idea who to call. We have no idea who to trust. We have no idea who does reputable work. And so I think about that approach earlier today, Carrie and I did this training around discovering your why. And we talked a little bit about like social conditioning and the programming that we, we create for ourselves of ideas and concepts of, you know, when we talked about tunnel vision earlier, I think so many of us, you know, grew up in this world where it's like, you got a job, you stayed there forever. And then you tired where the world is so much bigger than that. It doesn't have to be just one thing. And I know I'm being captain obvious here because that's kind of the whole purpose of what we're talking about. There's so many different ways to do that, but I love the vision of the diversification. I love passive income versus, you know, actively going out there and generating it yourself, looking at this idea of real estate and the relationship tasks or opportunities that can be created along with it. And knowing that, branching out and doing these different things are great ways to maintain relationships with people in your sphere, people that you've done business with, because I'll tell you what, it's very likely that as I start plugging away at all these different projects that we want to do around this house, because ever when we bought it six years ago, we've done so many different things. Like there's going to come a day where we're going to be ready to sell it, whether it's retirement or whether we're moving on or whatever. And so I think about that. I love how you're Looking at that, how you're talking about that, and it even reminds me of like, man, maybe that's who I should talk to. Who thinks about going back to their realtor that they worked with, you know, six years ago, saying, "Hey, you helped me at the time that I bought this house. Do you have any recommendations for this, that, or the other thing?" So
2: it's a true value add to your clients because there's for a couple different reasons. One, it saves them mind space where you're you're the guy you're the guy or the girl whenever they think of house, they think of the word house. It's like, okay, Mike can help me with my house. Like whatever it is. I just want whatever, if it's inside your four walls under your roof, I want them to know that they can come to me for it. Right. But it also saves money time and money though, too, because I mean, you see all the billboards and the ads for these big companies, that will come in and do your bathroom renovation in a day, right? Like locally, we know who those people are. And I've seen estimates from companies like that and I've seen where they come in and they put literally what looks like a tub surround you can get from the local lumber yard and it's an $8,500 project for a day. And it's like, whoa, that whole bathroom can get redone for $3,500. Like I'm going to charge you four grand. You're still going to save half the money. I'm going to make 500 bucks on this. And my guy's going to get it done in you know two or three days instead of one day. Right. So there's a lot of different aspects where it's super helpful actually to have those vertically integrated lines, because like I said, you, and that's what you want. You want, if they think of house, you want them to come to you, whoever's listening to this right now, you want to take up their mind space, their mind share that anything related to house or real estate, you're the point of connection. And then it's like the top of a pyramid, right? Like you're the point person in the, or an organization chart. You're the CEO of their brain, right? And then everything <laughs> else underneath them you have the connection because you got a guy who's got a guy or, you know, it's like 13 levels deep where somebody knew somebody who knew somebody. Right. But you want to be that point contact for everything that they think about real estate.
1: And those are all great things to use to talk to your sphere. Right. I mean, you wanting to do huge something. opportunity,
2: send out a can a multi-touch campaign that every a campaign that every single month says, Hey, do you need a plumber? Hey, here's my electrician. Or look at this. Like, <clears throat> back in the day, another great idea. Perfect. Find a local HVAC person, a local person, not a big brand, right? Somebody who's local in your community, HVAC, where we're at, we have winter and we have summer. You can offer, you can, I've, I've done it before where they'll do $50 off an, uh, a furnace tune-up or an AC tune-up. You take that, you send it out to your sphere. You say, hey, I just partnered with the local HVAC guy and he wants to help you get your you know, get your furnace or or air conditioning ready for the upcoming season, $50 off coupon here, here it is, you know, so it's just, you can use it for so many opportunities that would generate more business, right? And then if you generate business for that guy, who's the HVAC guy, and he happens to be driving down one, two, three main street and sees long grass in the yard and doesn't know what's going on. He's going to call Mike Higgins and say, Oh, this house doesn't look like anybody's been here for two years. You should think about that. You should go look into it. And then you, you know, it just, it works both ways. There's so many opportunities.
1: Anybody that's listening, they need to write that down and start doing it because that's super smart. Absolutely. It's a, uh, it's a value add piece, right? And it's all the top of mind awareness, right? And I, and, and I've brought this up before it's people can remember two names, right? If I say, Hey Mike, name two athletic shoe brands, what two are you going to come up with?
2: Yeah. Nike and Adidas or something.
1: Right. So, so one needs to be Mike Higgins and the other is going to be whoever else. Right. Right. And that's, you just, you want it to, to go fluent off their tongue, but then being genuine about it, like actually vet the people and don't, you know, send crappy plumbers over.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's the thing is like, if they've done work for me, I trust that they'll, that they'll do good work for somebody else. And sometimes there's going to be a situation where just you get burned. You know, I just got recently, you know, we just got kind of upside down with a with a, a drywall project. Well, you know, now it's time to find a new drywaller. So, but one thing I, I just want to go back to quick because you mentioned it and then I had mentioned it just before. I've never said it before until this podcast, but being the CEO of your client's brain, like, you know, like literally like that's what you want to be. You want to be the person they think to for for that stuff. You just want to be the person that leads that mind space within their brain so that whenever there's a question that comes up, Boom. Who do I go to? Oh, no brainer. It's going to be Carrie, you know?
1: Right. No, that's, that's, you should put that on your business cards. Okay. Let's switch gears here. Mike, you mentioned this at the beginning of your podcast, what is front row dads?
2: Oh, that's good. Um, so I appreciate you asking. So three years ago, I joined this organization called front row dads and really like the tagline of our, of our group, you know, it's kind of a mastermind for dads, but, um, what we call it, it's family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. That's the tagline. So that's all you really need to know. Right. So it's all about focusing on, um, you know, especially in the real estate world, there's no way that you don't bring work home with you. It's just, it's with you all the time. Right. And, um, what I've realized is there's like, oftentimes where your calendar, everybody's going to say family is the most important thing in your life, but then when you look at your calendar, and I'm still like, so I'll say this right now, but know with 100% transparency that I'm not perfect at all, and I still mess this up. But the calendar doesn't always reflect that, right? So what Front Row Dads is for me is a group of like-minded individuals. Again, you are the average of the people that you hang around with, right? It's it's a group of men who come together that focus on being a father and a husband before being a business owner. Uh, so I joined that organization in, uh, in 2019 and, um, have been there ever since. It's really been a great thing for me because, um, just helps kind of bring that back into focus. Every time you have a, if you have a community, like the, you know, you guys are building a community, right? So every time somebody touches and comes into your community, it brings them back into focus every single time. And that's, that's what front row dads has really done for me to help, help me be a better, a better husband and a better dad. And I still screw up. I think I screw up more now than I ever have, but at least I'm aware of it. And I'm always constantly trying to course correct and be better.
1: That's awesome. I think are constantly having to work on yourself, right? And when you can find communities like that, that you wholeheartedly believe in and you can just dive in and get, you know, not only get so much out of it, but give, give back and help others. I think it's amazing. I've watched you, cause you, you recently did a trip or maybe it was. Yeah. I was just in
2: Nashville.
1: Nashville. Yeah. And so this isn't some, you know, let's get together online. You guys are like getting together and doing like really cool things and talking about stuff. And I, yeah, it was a
2: three day, like there's guys from all over the country that got together in Nashville, 53 guys, and the whole thing was, how do we be a, a better dad, a better husband, you know, and, you know, we have a business element to front row dads, like, but that's not the focus, right? Cause there is some value in running a better real estate business, because that is going to help you be a better provide for your family, be a better husband, dad, when you get home. Right. So there is an element to that, but everything is through the lens of how do I become a better father or husband? So that yeah, is so it's, cool. it's a lot of fun
1: it's the goal. I'm sure April appreciates it.
2: <laughs> yeah. At times she's like, uh, do you even do anything with front row dads? Cause you're not doing a very good job right now. Right. Aww. Like anytime I screw up. Right. But no, I think that there's, it's definitely helped, uh, kind of bring that. Always, it, oh, it, it's a constant battle. Like it's never a hundred percent. You like, if you're, if you're walking a line, you're always on either side of it a little bit. And sometimes you get farther away and you always need to kind of come back to it. And it's always kind of that, that centerpiece for me to always come back to and be like, okay, yep, we got to get recentered on this.
1: What's next for Mike? Like, what what do you got in the hopper right now? I know you got a lot of things going on, but what's on your agenda for the next twelve months?
2: Yeah, so I mean, building everything out at our direct to seller home flipping company. Uh, ideally, my business partner and I are in a situation where we're working on the business twenty hours or less a week, but doing that from anywhere. And really, I think what's next is. A little bit of like what you guys are doing. I I do see kind of podcasting in my future, but I'm really passionate again about relationships I talked about before. And I think that there's a real need kind of in the marketplace for doing real estate different for a couple of different types of people. I think, you know, like we talked about helping the realtor or the team leader or the rainmaker maybe reposition their business a little bit Mm -hmm. and realize like, hey, there's an avenue here where we're kind of missing out on, maybe there's opportunities that have come up that we could maybe capitalize on more, but then also I think your business owners, your local, uh, I always use the, I, I use the example of a chiropractor because you, you literally can't get more hands on than a chiropractor. Right. So yeah. you are as a chiropractor, you are working. And I actually had a conversation last Sunday with one, you're working, they make great money. They make really good money as a chiropractor, but when you are not working, you're not making money. Going back to the what you brought up earlier, Carrie, right? How do you, how do you build something that's going to pay you when you're not working? Well, chiropractor is the example I use, but you could put that in any business. If the owner is not working in that business, they're not making money. So I think there's a real opportunity to share the vehicle example, real estate that they can take this money, this lump sum of money, because they're, they're building their bank account gets really, really big. And then if they stop working to go spend that money in their bank account, now all of a sudden they're setting themselves behind and they're not gonna make any more money. Well, there's a world where that person can learn to invest in real estate assets by themselves or with a group of people, or just learn that process. So now, now that bank account is starting to make money on its own while they're still working their business. And then sometime in the next three, five, 10 years, they'll have options. They'll be able to say, Hey, I'm going to actually step away from my practice for, for two months or sorry, two weeks, two months, whatever, but I'll be okay because this stuff over here is starting to make me a lot of money. Right. So it's okay. So it's just bringing options. I think that's kind of what the next 12 months looks like for me, um, trying to figure things out in our own business, but then also bringing that message to more people, because I think that it's, I think there's an opportunity there for a lot of people to, to capitalize and, and really change the direction of their financial future through the vehicle that we've talked about today of real estate.
1: That's awesome. Mike, what's one thing that you would have told Mike in 2015? Anything? <laughs> Anything.
2: Um, man, this is going to be one of those. That's a tough question. Going back, I think what I would have told Mike of 2015 is that keep your eye kind of on the destination, but it's not the, the, the journey is not going to be laid out the way that you think it's going to be and be okay with that and be okay with your journey being your journey. And this is kind of what I'm in the midst of right now is, you know, we talked a little bit before we hit record about your big or your success is different than my success. My small might be really big to you or vice versa. And, you know, a phrase that I'm kind of like, I'm I'm following now is be content, but be hungry. So don't, you, we get trapped in this comparison game and we want to be here. We want to be wherever, you know, we saw that where Mike Higgins saw his vision in 2015. You want to get there right away, but that's not going to happen. And you have to be okay and you have to be content with where you're at and still continue to be hungry to move along in the process. So I think that's what I would have told Mike in 2015 is like, hey, you'll get there and there. Will probably be different than the way you think it looks right now and it'll continue to change the way that it looks will continue to change but be okay with that process and just love the process and love you love your family love everything where you're at and then you know stay hungry be content but stay hungry
1: you're so full of love mike <laughs> i am
2: full of love trying to be more
1: <laughs> I love I, it.
2: I, honestly though i think like that's something it's funny so tangent totally not real estate related but some friends of ours are actually, their son just graduated and they're having a rite of passage ceremony. So the dad is inviting five men who have been influential in his son's life and they're getting together and we're all speaking on a topic. We're having a dinner. Like it's, it's this big ceremony, right? If you go back thousands of years of human, of like of the of cultures, different cultures, there's different ceremonies that people will have. Ceremonies are a big part of, of culture, right? And we tend to not maybe, you know, graduation, that's a ceremony. You're, you're moving on to a next chapter. Well, this is a ceremony into adulthood, into your next part of your life. And, and my topic is actually love. I think that's the foundation of everything. Parent, My wife and I were just talking about t- today, too, is like parenting, right? If you can just love your child unconditionally, you can screw everything else up but they knew that they were loved and they're probably going to be on a pretty good path, right? If you can just love your spouse, if they know that they're loved, if you love them, they love you. There's really nothing you can't get through. Right. And as another man, like we're talking about front row dads, there's men in that group that I love. Like I love them. Now in the day of 2022, that doesn't make me question, question my identity with them. Right. I can love somebody deeply as a friend different than I love my spouse. But I love them. And I think more and more people need to be okay with loving people. Love, and then and, and also, the, the first and foremost one is yourself. You need to love yourself. You know, I listened to a book called The Seven Levels of Communication. Michael Mayer talked about the, the acronym FLY, F-L-Y. First, love yourself. And I really believe that's the foundation. Because if you can't love that member, it's the content but hungry. Like if you can't love yourself where you're at and be content with where you're at and be happy and enjoy it, no amount of money is going to ever get you that. Like if you're getting into real estate for that, you're not you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be set up for success. You need to get come from that situation, that first love yourself mindset. And then honestly, real estate will open up doors that you never thought were possible. And I can say that and articulate that now. And it sounds really, really good. But just know that Mike Higgins... Struggles with that every single day. It's a constant battle that you have to continually wake up every day. And it's a new, it's a new opportunity to go out and fight. So I appreciate you saying that because that's, that's literally the foundation, I think that a lot of us can live from and, and learn by.
0: That is seriously so amazing. I am so thankful that you plan on podcasting and you plan on sharing more. The world needs more, Mike.
2: Well, you're going to have to be booked as a guest. So make (laughs) sure you leave your calendars open.
0: If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you?
2: Yeah, I think I'm probably like from a social aspect, I'm most active on Instagram, which then shares to Facebook. So literally Mike Higgins, but the first I is a one instead of an I, Um, that's probably the best place to go. Um, MeetMikeHiggins.com is kind of like where yeah I've started to blog a little bit. Uh, that's a good place. And then anything Blue Badger Homebuyers related is Jared and I's company. So any of those three places would be a great place to start or in the show notes at the end of this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. <Boom. laughs> All right. Anything else, Carrie, Mike, anything you want to add before we wrap up?
1: Mike, thank you. It's always a joy. I knew we were gonna have great conversations. And I just thoroughly enjoy learning from you, speaking with you, watching you grow. It's truly amazing. And I consider you a great friend and wish you tons of success. And this will be a great journey to continue to see move forward.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm so thankful. Thank like getting the text from you about being on. I was super excited. I love everything that you, you two are doing too, in this space, because it's really going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And then you guys are approaching it with a heart, like you have a, you have a heart and a passion for it. You're definitely not just doing it for the dollars, right. That come. So yeah. I really appreciate the things that, that you guys are doing this podcast, the community, the brand and everything that you stand for, because it's going to make a difference and it's going to make a difference in a big way. So I, thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Well, I know we all want more, Mike, but that's all we have for today's Golden Power Hour podcast. So if you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more ways to develop and grow your real estate business, check us out at mygoldenlink.com. So thank you very much for listening. Have a great day and stay golden.